Welcome to Fire and Security Chat, brought to you by Corson Fire and Security, where we talk about the technology and equipment used to protect and secure life and property. I'm your host, Aaron Whitaker, and today I'm with Brian Smith, Director of Security at Corson Fire and Security. Okay, Brian, today's topic, we're going to be talking about the types of access control systems. And before we kind of dive into types, I'm I guess we should clarify what is an access control system. So an access control system in its simplest term is kind of uh, defined by its title. It's it's a system that's going to uh, allow you to control and define access from individuals into certain spaces, typically within a, a business or, or structure. This could also expand into... Uh, Things like access to documents within a facility or secure server rooms, things like that. Equipment racks. Okay. And as far as access control, I always think of uh, key fobs or those little white carts sure. to get into doors. Is that the only, I guess, uh, access control? That's one method of access control. So access control exists in your home, and access control is a brass key that goes in a door lock. An access control system might be a receptionist at a front desk that's stopping people as they come in to, to sort out what their business is and, and get them to an appropriate place. Um, so you know, we talk about access control typically in the industry. It's commonly accepted as electronic access control. So you know, again, there's there's lots of different ways that you can perform access control. So based on your, your needs, your facility, your environment, you may have to decide what is going to be the most cost-effective or the most applicable form of access control for your business. Okay. Now, besides cards and I guess there's keypads is another type? Sure. Within uh, electronic access control, we can use credentials to identify an individual. So key fobs, cards, ID badges are all, are all traditional, common, common ways to provide a, a, uh, a credential for an identification of person. Beyond that, biometrics, fingerprints, facial recognition, iris scanners, uh, there's multiple other uh, vascular hand scanners. There's lots of different levels of security mm -hmm. within those those types of identifiers, but car cards and, and fobs would probably be the most common, uh, commonly used uh, credential for, to identify an individual. So as far as the, like the hand scanners and the fingerprints and the mm -hmm. iris ones, those are 100% uh, perfect now? Or, I mean, I know I, I can remember the iPhones and stuff uh, when they first came out with the facial recognition and you could use a picture to unlock someone's phone. And... Yeah, the technology's come quite a ways, especially with facial recognition and iris. Uh, I, I saw some statistics a couple of years ago on, on iris scanners, and, and they're actually very, very fast. And uh, there was a statistic, something around the possibility of being hit four times by lightning in the same day uh, before you would get a, a false or a duplicate read on, a, on an iris. Oh, wow. So uh, they tend to be very secure, and, and uh, something like that is probably more commonly used in a, in a place where um, you might have a surgery center or a hospital or something where uh, you don't want people touching things, maybe a, 
a surgeon has to wash up before surgery mm -hmm. and they've got gloved hands obviously a fingerprint's not going to work there they can't touch an id or a credential to get into a surgery area you know, they may use something like an iris scan to, to gain access to a an area is there like uh is there proximity ones too like if there's i don't know bluetooth or any uh sure any of the cards and credentials are proximity based uh, read so you would have in the in the credential itself a, a chip that has an antenna attached to it and when you you present it within range of a reader uh, the reader would would energize that card by the antenna and uh, that chip would then transmit its data to the to the reader and that can take place on a on a, a very local level where you have a, a one inch to four inch read range mm -hmm. in the typical handheld uh, up to several 10, 15 meters and, and longer in some of the RF technologies for, or UHF technologies for uh, vehicle readers. If you have a parking garage or something like that, city utilities with a large fleet of trucks may have a, a long range reader, UHF reader out on their gate. So that as the trucks you know, proceed in, they're not hindered by the gate. They can just kind of stream through as, as, uh, as they approach. You know, a, a lot of that is proximity. Obviously, one of the concerns with proximity is uh, because you don't have to touch it to get the information off of it, security mm -hmm. becomes uh, more of a factor there. And uh, some of the older technologies, uh, the 26-bit prox that is no longer a secret, you can be manipulated and copied. So when you get into prox technologies, a lot of times customers are concerned with how do they secure that technology? So you've got a lot of different options on the market now with iClass and, and Desfire, and there's even a new version of Desfire coming out now where they're in encrypted format between the reader and the and the card. So mm -hmm. even though there's transmit or there's data being transmitted through the air based on proximity, that data is now encrypted, and without those encryption keys, you wouldn't be able to read it. Okay. Uh, so that's something that comes into play. When you talk about you know, the most, the highest level of security in a lot of cases, uh, like federal government installations, you're going to have a PIV class card that is a contact type card, mm -hmm. uh, much like your credit card is today, where you have to insert it in the slot with the chip, um, with the chip in it. Mm -hmm. And that chip contains a lot of information on it, and it can be programmed to contain, uh, you know, different as much information as you know the 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 chip will hold. And uh, all of that information can be used to validate that, that individual. So it makes it incredibly difficult to copy and incredibly difficult to get your hands on uh, and to, to uh, bypass the reader because you do have to physically present a, an object into the reader. It will read the information on the card and then make a decision as to whether or not you have access there. Another one question I had was two-factor authentication. Like if you use, sure. uh, say, a key fob or whatever, in facial recognition or some other, is there is, is yeah, that absolutely. more common in the kind of high security? One of the, the most common applications for that would be uh, an elevated level of security. So you may have an office space where employees have access to get into an office and then maybe you have a file room that has uh, patient information in there. That mm -hmm. file room may have an elevated level of security on it. So not only might you restrict who has access to that room, but you may want to also authenticate with a secondary measure, either a PIN credential, a biometric credential, or something of that sort to make sure that somebody didn't drop their card, somebody else pick it up mm -hmm. and use it as, as them. Uh, the other place that we see that tend to be used is for um, 
perimeter uh, intrusion disarming. So a lot of uh, common requests from our customers is they want the access control uh, to also disarm the intrusion system. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the fundamental flaws historically with that is if you drop a card in the parking lot, somebody can pick it up and actually gain access to your building and not only gain access, but also disarm the alarm at the same time. So mm-hmm. that's a practice that you, you really have to be careful of. But by putting a, a pin authentication on the outside of a building, on the perimeter of a building, uh, allows the customer to, uh, or allows the employee to also verify that they are who they say they are with the credential by entering a, a pin that only they know. Okay. Okay. So now we're kind of diving into now we know what access control systems, especially electronic ones, the types. Is there is there types of access control systems or? So within within electronic access control, uh, I would say there's two primary types of electronic access control, maybe three. The third one's kind of a blend of the second, but the first level might be door control. This would be something where maybe you have a, um, a small business, um, strip center, privately owned type situation where maybe you have four or five or eight or 10 employees. And rather than handing out brass keys to those employees to gain access to the building, you want to give them an electronic credential. This gives you the ability to remove that electronic credential from the system, Um, but it's kind of an all-or-nothing type situation. If you get a card, that card works on the system. It works 24 hours a day. It works on all of the doors, and it's a very, very simplistic system, but it allows you to recover the keys, so to speak, uh, because you're not chasing down. If an employee leaves, you're not chasing down a a physical key, having to worry about rekeying your locks. If somebody, you know, takes a key Mm -hmm. off, copies it, something like that. Uh, So, you know, there's a cost uh, savings potentially there for the user to to deploy what we would call a door control system. Okay. So if, so if they leave or lose that key, then you can, what, cancel it out in the system? Yeah, you or? basically log into your, your okay. software, whatever that is, and then okay. you can remove that credential from the system. But it doesn't give you a whole lot of control about when they can come and what doors they can access and things like that. So it's a very plain Jane kind of uh, application where it's it's really just to remove brass keys mm-hmm. and, and still allow your employees access to the building. So that would be kind of like the base model or the yeah, the starter say, package if you I mean yeah cuz yeah something at that level is is probably less common but uh certainly an option for customers that don't have a lot of money to put into a an, an access control or a security system but uh, you know maybe they're concerned that you know that that employee may leave and they may have to rekey their building uh, it could, you know, a system like that could be less expensive than having to rekey, mm-hmm. you know, a building once or twice. So that may be uh, of interest to them. So that would be uh, like uh, with apartment buildings. Would that be common for that, or is it is that another level? Yeah, that could be uh, multi-tenant. Is is where you come in with apartment compl- uh, apartment buildings and and condos and things like that. Uh, and multi-tenant applications are sort of their own uh, entity. They they kind of have Almost more like a hotel type uh, system, okay. But uh, certainly, certainly similar kind of concept mm-hmm. uh, with with an apartment. Obviously, you you have the ability to access your unit at any you know twenty four seven. So you're not going to put restrictions typically on an individual like that. Uh, so yeah, that that might be a, a good representation for it. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. 
Okay. So, so that's the kind of the base model, basically re- mm-hmm. replacing the standard, the old key with a card or access. Yep. And that just gives you the ability to wipe the credential from the system so they no longer have access. You don't have to chase that, that key down. Okay. The next level up we might consider to be uh, like a role-based or role-based access control system. And uh, this would be what's commonly accepted as a, a traditional access control system. Uh, this would be where not only are we handing out credentials, but we also may be, through use of access levels or rules or permissions, be granting or denying people access based on time or based on the door that they're they're going into. So typical environment, you know, an employee may have access to the office space, but they may not have access to the IT rooms. So that would that would require a role or role-based access control system where I can assign a role to an individual. Maybe it's based on their title or special requirements that they have within the company. But I would allow them into certain doors and not others. Or maybe I allow them in between uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, but not after that. So that would be a a role or a role-based access control system. I can control in a little more depth where where people can go and when they can go there. Okay. And is is that a... Is that a software kind of upgrade? Is that, or is it techno? Is it the actual locks or on? Yeah, it's actually not so much the hardware. The hardware is going to be kind of the same all the way through. You're going to have an electrified uh, strike or an electrified lever set or a mag lock or whatever it is that you're securing the door with. Um, you're going to have a reader. It's not really not really based so much on the hardware. Once you have the hardware in place, then your system can kind of be escalated based on your needs. Okay. But that, to go from a, a door control system to a rule or a role-based type system, that's typically just going to be software. It's going to be a change, change in software to give you that ability. Okay. And then the third that's kind of a hybrid of that rule-role-based is what we might call a security system. And you, you sort of have to find out from, from your customer what they're looking for in terms of a level of security. So a rule and role-based system is great because it allows you to define who goes where or when, but it doesn't always necessarily give you uh, feedback in terms of security. From a security perspective, is that door secure or has somebody forced their way through that door? And not all applications require this, but it's what we would call door position monitoring, mm-hmm. and that would involve uh, outfitting the door with a request to exit device and a door position switch or a contact. So we'd be monitoring that door through the access control system all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, if the user were to present their card to the reader, it would grant access. You'd be allowed to come through the door. But if I were to come up to the door and somehow uh, jimmy the lock, get around the, the, the door, um, you know, then that door contact would create an event in my access control system. That event then could drive an alarm output. It could drive a notification on my cell phone or, or any number of factors. But it allows me to not only control who goes where when, but also make sure that my building is secure mm-hmm. and that people aren't forcing their way into to areas um, that they shouldn't be. And then the other aspect of that that's nice is you also then have the ability to do things like door held. So if uh, if a door is propped open, 
for a period of time mm -hmm. after the card swipe or after the request to exit event. Uh, it can also then give me a notification. So I know as a facility manager, my building is not secure. So, uh, you know, it adds that, right. that extra level of, of protection to the, you know, to the solutions so that I know not only are people restricted from going certain places, but nobody's violated the, the level of security in my building. And is that, as far as that goes, is that a, another, is that more hardware or is that more? Uh, that does require a, a, an additional set of hardware because with so far the, the door control system and the roll and roll based yeah. basic system, um, you're talking about having to install readers and strikes. So right. you need a reader to read the card. You need an electronic mechanism to release the door so that you can get through it. To do, to do a true security access control mm -hmm. system uh, where we're doing door monitoring, uh, you would also have to add a door contact, a door position switch to the door, as well as a request to exit device. That request to exit device may be a motion detector above your door. It may be a button next to your door, but there's something there to signal the egress of an individual through that door so that it doesn't create the alarm. Okay. So obviously on the way in, if we're presenting a card, the system knows that somebody's come through that door with a card. On the way out, we really have nothing to tell the system Hey, oh, okay. somebody's legally exiting yeah. the building, so there's a, there would be a motion detector or something that would be typically automated around the door that would would signal or recognize and signal that somebody's leaving, so that you don't get that door alarm. So that requires a little bit of extra hardware to do mm -hmm. that, uh, and a little bit of extra programming typically in the software. But generally speaking, your software solution mm -hmm. is going to be the same for a role-based and a you know, true security-based access control system. Okay. And as far as programming, getting into that and like uh, assigning roles or who can have access to what and at what times and all that, mm -hmm. is that something that someone at the business would be, is it user-friendly? I mean, is it... Uh, well, we hope it's user-friendly. If yeah. not, we're, we're not doing a great but job. I mean, but do they do it or is it... Uh, yeah, that's uh, certainly an administrative function of the end user. Okay. So... Um, you know, we would always assist them in, in the uh, the learning curve of getting mm -hmm. used to their new software and, 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 and assisting in setting up some basic roles and, and rules and things like that. If they need a, a particular door to unlock during certain business hours, you know, we would help set that up ahead of time. Uh, but then the customer would kind of take the keys from there, so to speak, and, and they would have the, the ability to add new roles to the system or access levels, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they'd be able to add new cards, remove cards you know, create time zones and things like that, control their doors manually locking and unlocking. Mm -hmm. they, you know, they would have the, the full permissions to do those functions. Okay. And as far as the software goes, can I, can you tell when someone has like a certain employee has come into the building, has gone, you know, kind of see where they've been throughout the building and they're kind of almost a timeline or. Yeah. And generally speaking, that's one of the major advantages of having an access control system at any level uh, beyond just simple door control um, is that you would, you would be able to run reports on that system and, and see who accessed what, when. Mm -hmm. So as long as your system is keeping correct time, uh, you would have a time log and a report of, you know, any place that they went. And, and in a lot of cases, you would also have an audit trail of who changed what in the programming. So if somebody were to go in and, and change a, an access level or mm -hmm. a permission for an individual user or an individual cardholder, you know, that would typically be, be locked as well. Okay. As far as 
as far as cost go, like as a typical replace the key with a with a card access system on a like a retail store or whatever is or I guess where do we typically start to see access control systems as far as key fobs and stuff as far as the size of a business? I mean, is it is it a like I'm I guess what I'm asking is is it a cheap enough or is it affordable enough to like I could do it at my house? You know, would you see it at a house or do you see it at, would you see it at a retail store? I mean, uh, typically uh, residential applications are going to be more easily served by using some of the the products that are on the market, like a, uh, a Z-Wave type lock or, or, or something like that. You know, there, there are Bluetooth locks and pin, pin entry locks and Z-Wave locks and things like that, that you can replace your residential grade hardware with to, to get a, a, an access control system essentially yeah. on your house that you can okay. control through your phone or or locally at the door that sort of thing. Uh, typically, where we start to see access control at any of these levels is uh, or electronic access control at any of these levels would be uh, you know small retail all the way up through enterprise Fortune 500 companies, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the the gambit that 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 runs. Uh, a lot of your door control solutions, uh, you know, you could depending on hardware pricing is is uh, kind of widespread I mean some of these doors you can you can electrify uh, hardware wise for under a thousand dollars and mm-hmm. others uh, may take seven or ten thousand dollars to, to electrify depending on what hardware is there and and what it's going to take to get it up to a level of that you can control it right but uh, you know typically you may be talking about uh, you know solutions that are you know one to two thousand dollars a door for a, a door control type system you may be talking about uh, two to three thousand dollars a door for a, uh, a roll-based basic system, and then for a what we call a complete door, or where it's fitted out with a request to exit device and a door position monitoring switch and things like that. You might be talking about uh, twenty-five hundred to thirty-five hundred a door uh, for enterprise-type solutions and, and higher. So it's probably not something that your average consumer is going to throw in their house at that level. Right. Uh, but again, there's there's a lot of residential options on the market to to get a homeowner in control of their doors electronically without having to go to a you know, full-fledged software-based access control system. Okay. All right. Thank you for talking with us about access control systems. And uh, this ends our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. If you liked today's episode, we encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and rate us on iTunes. You can also find our podcast on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, and other popular podcast players. Search for Corson Fire and Security Chat to find it. Thanks once again for listening, and I will see you next week for our next episode of the Corson Fire and Security Chat podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is believed to be reliable, but Corson Fire and Security assumes no responsibility or liability for any errors or omissions in the content of this podcast. It does not constitute professional advice. The listener of this podcast is responsible for verifying the information's accuracy from all available sources, including the product manufacturer. The authority of having jurisdiction should be contacted for code interpretations.